0: I think it's just a, a, the the system is just like rough when you have to see like a fifty patients a day. They don't even know your name. They're just trying to get your bio, their, your core metrics, and then boom, here's a script. What do you want? Do you want you want some antibiotics? Do you want some steroids? What do you want? Like maybe I'll give it to you, right? It's just like a it's like a machine to churn out scripts essentially. I mean that, that's essentially how you. If you look at incentives, right? If you design systems, you have to look at. Incentives, and if you're aligning incentives towards issuing scripts and churning through patients, well, that's the end. That's the healthcare system that we'll be getting.
1: That's right, and that is what we have. And that's what we have. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, and that's why a lot of people are pissed off about it.
1: Yeah, not only as a patient you have to go above and beyond these days, but you also have to go above and beyond with finding the right doctor for you if you're not doing well or. Also, too, like I was, um, I, I suggested once to a regular doctor, the same doctor that had misdiagnosed me and let me go for two years and not be sick. And um, I at one point asked him, because I, I learned about some components to hypothyroidism, I said, hey, can you test my B12? And and he literally laughed at me. He goes, like, like the laugh of, like, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Okay. Well, it turns out I had a B12 deficiency. So F you, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that really is scary. So, But his response to me was scarier. You know what I mean? The fact that he laughed. It's so dismissive, pain, right? It, yeah. It's so dismissive. It wasn't like, well, why do you? And you know what I had to do? And I was on the verge of tears because I was very hypothyroid. So I was a mess in every way, right. emotionally, physically, mentally. And I started crying. And I'm like, I have a PPO. Why don't just take the test? I'm just asking you to take this test. Please take the test. You know, and I walked out of there crying. And then a couple of years ago, I ran into that doctor in a parking lot I saw him and I lost it because that guy is like someone I would love to put a big out sign outside his door. Don't go see this doctor. <laughs> and I know A lot of those, you know, right. but I was so patronized and laughed at. So then there's an example where the patient goes, okay, and they cower. Thankfully, I am a strong, no bullshit person. And you know what? I wasn't going to accept that despite being upset about it. I wasn't going to accept it. People have to also learn to stand up yeah. and do that. There's a lot of doctors that probably never want to see me again because of, you know, challenges I brought their way. But at the end of the day,
0: if they're good doctors, they're not afraid to iron sharpens iron, right? Like end of the day, if you're confident about your knowledge and your data and your training, okay, if someone's smart that comes into your door, like great, we can have a discussion, right? Like I think it's a sign of fear of their own competence and when they're overly dismissive of like good questions.
1: Right. Yeah, and also just like the illogicalness and the right. insanity of the rationale of this doctor. So, so that's what goes on, you know, and so you're patronized, you're dismissed, right. um, and and then, you know, what do you do there? If you're not strong personality like me, and even then when you're hypothyroid, you're not very strong. You're very weak in an emotional way, and so the strength you might have when you're feeling good to speak up is not there necessarily when you're hypo. So a lot of patients yeah. just throw their hands up, and they're like, okay you know now you're dealing with a doctor who's an asshole i mean she <laughs> that's was why really- No, i think
0: that's why you should keep doing what you're doing let's you know keep getting you on platforms where you can be an example for a lot of these people i think one thing that humans love seeing other humans as examples and role models right like that's like what we worship sure. and it's a little bit in celebrity culture but also like in, in how sure. we want to carry ourselves so i think you know it, you're a strong example of being like hey let's take control of our own health here one concept that i'd like to get your thoughts on is that there's always been sort of this this dichotomy between medicine or bringing people from deficient states or sick states to normal states and enhancement bringing people from normal states to sort of like superhuman Mm -hmm. or optimal states right um and i really think that's more and more of a false dichotomy where everyone's just trying to be you know going that same direction if you're just you're on the spectrum of health and you just always want to be, you know, getting better. So obviously, we've covered a lot around sort of treating hypothyroidism and bringing you from a or people from the deficient thyroid state to a normal state. I'm curious, um, how has your experiences, your learnings, informed you for, to take you from, you know, your your sort of normal states into sort of hyper optimal. Uh, uh, you know, levels. I'm curious, like, how do you apply that to, you know, optimizing yourself?
1: Yeah, I think that's interesting because see, now we do have the science and supplements and the ability with technology to optimize, right? You know, so like I'm 43, I look a lot younger, you know, someone thought I was 29 the other day. I'm not (laughs) saying I do, but I'm just saying that 40 years ago, someone my age probably wouldn't let you know with whatever, with the creams we have, the sunscreens, with the, the eating, with the supplements, the things that we know we get deficient in as we age that we can supplement and replace, you know, bioidentical hormones, right? Even for thyroid or people going through menopause, et cetera. So there's really, um, you know, before we were just looking at, and that's the thing too, is when I talk about blood labs with people, we are looking for what's optimal in the range. You know, and that was a lot of my problem, too. I would go to the doctor and they'd be like, oh, it's within range. And if there's not an H or an L next to it, nobody does anything. And that's not optimal. So I was still very anemic and lots of problems because things were at the bottom of the range. So I think... um, for me anyway, I want to optimize my health as much as I can. So I do try to shoot for optimal levels in certain areas like B12, vitamin D, ferritin, you know, even a DHEA, um, and some other, some other components as well. Um, longevity, we have so, we have so much opportunity for longevity and better lives as we go down that road. So I kind of love the fact that health and biohacking and this whole topic has gotten popular because i wish it upon more people you know i wish this journey upon more people that even if you are feeling good like let's see where i am as a baseline what i optimize you know what can i fix or also let me learn about myself there were some things genetically that i found out about myself through testing that explained things that were very important for me to sort of know hmm. and so there are so many elements like what in this.
0: examples okay. curious to hear some examples yeah
1: well one example uh i have two main ones one was is that um someone looked at my genetic testing and they said oh you have the same marker that i do which says that you might have an issue processing high sulfur foods hmm. and i thought and they said do you have a problem with eggs and i was like ah, that's interesting no but i do have a major problem with a lot of garlic and broccoli and some other high sulfur foods. And I was like, oh, that that might be the garlic thing because I really have a violent reaction to too much garlic. (laughs) And never did before in life, but like really do. But then I was thinking about the eggs. And I thought, you know, it's interesting. I've been eating eggs my entire life and I've never ever considered allergic to them. I've been tested for allergies. I'm not allergic to it technically. But when that person said that to me, I recalled a bunch of times where I'd eaten eggs on their own and had a gross feeling like, uh, I just kind of wish this was like over with already, not stomachache, not, not able to function during the day, but just kind of like a, uh, ugh, like I just kind of want three hours to go by, right. you know what I mean? And so because of that genetic testing and that conversation, I was like, why don't I do an experiment and just like not do eggs for a few months? I mean, you know, that, that 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 red flag from the past reminded me got the garlic thing and here's the genetic testing so i went like three or five months uh pretty long time without any eggs and then it came the day and i was like oh you know i've gone out with eggs for a while let me reintroduce them and i did and it was a disaster i had a distended stomach like an ethiopian you know (laughs) child in the in a refugee camp and i had horrible like bloating gas it was like a total disaster. And that's what happens sometimes because your body can adjust to or try to overcome the assaults that over time you're putting into it. And then you eliminate it, you reintroduce it, you see what an effect it has. So that's one area where genetics was helpful. It was also helpful in another area where like I'm all there's a genetic component that kind of dictates that sort of says I'm already thick blooded as a as a human being. So any more thickening of the blood could lead to stroke, heart attack, or issues, or things like that. And so, in combination with that and some other tests, you know, I took supplements to reduce that, and I actually noticed it with my phlebotomist, who I'd gotten mm. familiar with, because I got so much blood taken last year from my book, and I was doing experiments right. on, you know, my different levels of thyroid, and when my blood was thick and sticky, he had issues drawing it, and had to stop at a certain point, because it was clotting too fast. And then, when I came back after the three months of the supplements and had done this based on this genetic component that Dr. Forsman found, my blood was flowing like nope, like he could tell the difference in the consistency and the flow of my blood. So, that was just a component. Like, I would have never thought about checking that one, you know, genetic component. But again, these are in depth testing, right? Uh, You know, I think it was a. True Health Diagnostics, they do something called the Go Kit. It's a really in-depth inflammatory marker, omega marker, some genetic markers. So there were some things in there that dictated certain supplements I should consider probably being on for, for the remainder of my life and also things to just look out for right. and to get retested. Um, and so, so again, two things that most actors wouldn't test or know were even applicable to anything were very applicable not only in my daily life with the eggs and the eating thing but also to the fact that I could have had a heart attack or stroke at a very early age because of this thickening yeah, of the blood.
0: I, mean, I think that's that's super interesting because I think this is like obviously information that are sitting in this sort of limbo land where they're not necessarily like diseases where they're like you're clearly right. debilitated but they're – not easy enough where you can just like go check something online you have to actually like do the research get the right testing and i think there's a lot of things in this limbo land where it's more advanced than and and more inconvenient than something that you can go to cvs and get like a a, a little birth control or birth you know pregnancy test or something but not serious enough for like an everyday person to be like okay i need to see a doctor for this specific thing i'm just wondering you know there just seems to be more and more value in that this limbo land and I think we should you know I think this is where like the biohacking movement is really blowing up where people are seeing a lot more value and let's like actually surface up this information in a way that's accessible to more and more people
1: yeah I mean I have taken things that people would consider oh that's snake oil you know like and it's not a joke it's really not a joke you know there's uh, this stuff does work I I wish upon everyone a, a great experience with a good functional medicine doctor integrative physician because it's a great experience, and it's really catered to you individually. They are not testing everybody in the exact same way for right. the exact same things. Um, so
0: it sounds like you've tried a ton of different things across the different years. So what has made it past your gold, you know, your gold standard? So what is a part? What, 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 you know, what are the core components of your protocol? You know, is that a certain, you know, is that a paleo diet? Is that um, fasting? Is that you know, what are your tried and true supplements? What, what are mm-hmm. all the key things that are part of, you know, the L-REST protocol?
1: Um, well, exercise, for okay. starters. Um, I just, I love it. I'm, I'm active every day for at least an hour. Sometimes two, you know, it depends. If I go on a three-hour hike randomly on a Saturday. But for the most part, I think regular exercise is um, for me. Uh, In the mornings, I, afternoon, evenings? Yeah, you know, I work out in the morning, so okay. it doesn't have to be too early. But I think, you know, before 12, I'm kind of one of those people where I kind of want to hack off and just kind of not do much after 3 p.m. Like, so <laughs> I, I don't want to, like, go and work out usually right. around the times in the afternoon. But I like to kind of get it over with. And I feel like that's sort of a good thing to just kind of get it out of the way, especially if you're resistant to it, which I'm not. Um, so Do exercise, you do it
0: fasted or do you do it after breakfast? Fasting
1: never. I rarely eat breakfast. The most I really eat in the morning is bone broth with okay. maybe a spoonful of like the upgraded collagen powder from Bulletproof or I might um, put a little grass-fed whey in there or just a little butter. But bone broth would be probably the only thing. And I've just never been a breakfast morning eater. And once you get fat adapted and you go down the paleo primal way, you often don't want to eat in the morning hours. Right. So um, not just working out. Uh, I, I do get great sleep. I get like eight to nine hours of sleep every night, and I don't feel right if I'm less than seven. I do feel it. And, you cool. know, I interviewed a guy um, in Northern California, in San Francisco, uh, the neurogenesis uh, diet and lifestyle, and he talks about how like when you don't get enough sleep and you wake up and shower, but then you feel still so dirty like you couldn't shower. And I'm like, yeah, what is that? He goes, that's because your brain didn't get the clean out <laughs> that it needed
0: throughout <laughs> the night.
1: And that's what that feeling is of like, oh, I feel dirty, but I just took a shower, and I but you get five hours sleep. Right. So good sleep, obviously, really important. Um, obviously, I, I. What is got your definition
0: left? of paleo primal? I mean, I think a lot of people have like these sort of conflated terms mm-hmm. of like keto and all, all these like buzzwords. And if you yeah. actually know, like, look at the clinical term of ketogenic diet, that's seventy to ninety percent of your macros from fat, which is, fat. is which is an like impossible amount for like a normal person to consume that much fat in their diet.
1: You have to graduate to that level. You can't just go from being, okay. So, you know, there are a lot of, um, I want to clear it up for everybody because so many people have misconceptions about paleo primal, essentially paleo primal ancestral evolutionary health are all synonymous. There's a little variances with both primal would say they're a little bit more lenient when it comes to like legumes or, um, uh, some, some chocolate or, you know, dairy, uh, Paleo might be more strict. So basically what it is is a lot of people misconstrue it as eating from a list of foods that were in the Paleolithic era before agriculture came on the scene 10,000 years ago. But that's actually a really big misconception. It's not just eating from a food list. It's about turning your body into the vessel it was meant to be, which is a body that prefers to run on fat at its primary fuel source. Now, we call that being a fat burner. How do you know you're a sugar burner? Anyone listening right now, I ask you this. When's the last time you went 8 to 24 hours without food and didn't have a mental breakdown, cranky, hangry moment, yep. or lapse in a mental energy? Guess what? I could go days from right. I have not. It's uh, almost 12 o'clock. I already swam 30 laps this morning, and I have not had anything but a cup of coffee. My brain's on fire. I'm not tired. I'm totally fine. Most people out there would be having a meltdown yeah, right now.
0: be, yeah. I'm actually doing a seven-day fast. But I'm
1: running on ketones. I'm running on ketones. Yeah, you are in, you're in a
0: ketosis. Yeah, exactly.
1: Right. And essentially. So now that takes about a month to, to. But what people really need to know is scientifically, our DNA. We are expected. This is how we are expected. Now, how do you know? How do you know that L? Well, because when you look at the other paradigm, bingo, there go your diabetes commercials. Yep. How do you think everyone got diabetes? Because they are sugar burners. Here's the other thing, high fat, oh my God, misconception, high fat, oh, it caused heart disease, you shouldn't eat the fat off that steak, you know, your heart, your arteries. There is no correlation between dietary fat and heart disease whatsoever. The only issue with fat is if you are eating Saturated fat or a high fat diet in the presence of a high carb with a diet. A
0: carbs, then that's problematic. Exactly. High. And you're yeah. in trouble
1: because your yep. body is busy dealing with the carbohydrates first. It's not going to burn the fat. Therefore, then it's going to go and right. latch itself onto places right. it shouldn't. So, there's so many misconceptions. Another misconception is um, that it's high protein. Totally not. It, that's yeah. We're a big, all,
0: we're often very much overweight on protein. Exactly. I think it's not it's not high protein or high, it's it's like low carb, medium protein, if not like yeah. Most of us are t- taking much protein, protein, high fat.
1: Yep. I, I did it. I made that mistake so many times. What people don't realize is when you eat excess high protein, it actually goes through a process called gluconeogenesis. It and it the becomes sugar. Glu- yep. becomes yep. So, again, and listen, I'm a primal health coach. I'm like the fifth person in the world certified in this. <laughs> right. And I have still made this mistake. Like, for example, I used to eat like 120 grams of protein a day. I love protein. Who doesn't like ribs and meat and all right. that stuff? And it's kind of an easy go to, and you go, whatever. Right. But at the end of the day, that is the amount of protein for like a six foot two guy who's buff. Yep. And and I'm five two. Yeah. So you know, I really had to look at these macros and go, "What am I doing?" And I had to make my personal adjustments. And you know, now I pretty much probably eat forty to fifty grams of protein a day, okay. depending. You right. know, if I had some. If I'm craving it, I'll overeat some protein. And if I do overeat protein, I kinda make sure my carbs are even a little bit less to maybe factor in for the gluconeogenesis, right. of which I don't know how much is happening. Right. So so that's what people misconstrue it. They go, Oh, it's just grains, it's a way of eating. And then they go paleo primal and they go, It didn't work, I suffered. Well, then you didn't do it right. Right. Then you didn't understand that main component of converting to being a fat burning beast right. and that being the primary source. So what does that do? It allows a level of freedom in the world that is beyond belief because I don't, you don't have to, it, it almost eradicates everybody's food addictions. When done right and you get fat adapted, people, that, that's the main success story everyone has um, at Mark's Daily Apple, Primal Blueprint. All of our success stories of people who've lost 100 pounds and stuff, the biggest thing is I'm just glad I'm not obsessed with food anymore. Yeah. And that was my thing too, because when you're hypothyroid, you often have adrenal issues. You're not getting energy from the thyroid and having low T3 levels, so you're craving sugar and you're, it's borderline eating disorder. Right. It, it, it really is. I would say that I kind of had an eating disorder, probably like binging. You you're chasing pills.
0: this insulin spike, right? Because you're always on glucose, you're always burning up and down, up and down, up and down. While we're on, when right. you're and on when ketosis, you're yeah.
1: It's even worse when you're hypothyroid because you kind of don't have a way out of it because your body isn't getting energy anywhere, so it's forcing you to crave these carbs even more. Um, So that's really the paradigm. I find out when people call me for coaching or we're talking about the subject, they usually have one one of the three main components off. Either they are still doing chronic cardio, which means – exercising above 75% of their max heart rate like every day too hard. We're talking like major runners doing 40 miles a week, okay? okay. So that would be one component people are still getting wrong is the over-exercising effect. And we talk about paleo like, we're meant to sprint and do fast bursts of high intensity which is actually really positive for the stress hormones like HGH and right. DHEA and we want some cortisol there. But when you're on this chronic cardio as Mark Sisson really puts it or we talk about in this industry, You now are, when you're above 75% of your max, you're really primarily burning glucose. And we can only store so much. So there is that component. So you could be eating a paleo lifestyle, thinking you're doing it right, but then you're still on the carb train because you're doing the over-exercising. Or you're not factoring in um, the other components like, um, well, there's the over-exercising, there's um, not understanding switching over to being a fat-burner. You know what I mean? And then there's just the other little dummy mistakes we make, like thinking it's too much. People get excited at first, like, I can eat all the fat I want. But it's like, well, yeah, but if you're sitting at a desk all day, you know? Right. Maybe. So what people get confused about too is they're like, just. Just give me a, tell me what to eat, just give, give me a plan. And the bummer, but the awesome thing about this is that actually, it, this is an intuitive process. So at first, you can take someone who's like, all right, I don't know anything about this, and you can kind of give them a like, the you eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but at the end of the day, something's gonna change in them when they get fat adapted, and they're gonna like, not want that breakfast anymore. Yeah that food level is going to become too much because you become calorically efficient and require less food. Right. These are things you have to figure out yourself. So like, for example, like listen to your what, body
0: essentially. Right. I mean, basically. Listen, yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and it gets better, you know, it gets um easier as you go along the path to be more intuitive and go, uh, I think I need some fat right now. Right. You know, are you I measuring actually,
0: like your blood ketones? Like for example, I'm wearing like a glucose monitor right now so I can actually oh, scan are you? like currently.
1: That's awesome. I'm at
0: 4.9 millimolar. Um,
1: so you you are so you were in a ketogenic diet.
0: Um, I, I I try to eat a balanced diet and I'll do extended fasts. Um, yeah,
1: that's what I do too. Yeah, yeah. and I and sometimes um, I go in between and out. Like I feel the best when I am extremely low carb. Um, oh, by the way, a, a genetic test that I got back came said that I was carb sensitive. So that made sense <laughs> with why I ended up being having a pre diabetic result at the right. end of the hypo bouts. You know. Um, so I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about paleoprimal, but what people really need to know is this. So for example, grains, uh, grains is a big one. It's hard for people to give that up and they're like, I can't imagine it. I am not going to do that. Or I think whole grains yeah. are good for you. Some whole grains are good. And I laugh when I hear that because at the end of the day, it's not that I'm never going to eat a grain in my life. Thanksgiving happens. Right. I'm going to go to town on some stuffing and maybe it's not going to be paleo, right. but it really isn't food for humans. And when you look at the archeological record and um, I recommend anybody who wants to know the science behind this, go rent the movie, the perfect human diet by CJ hunt. It's on Netflix for free right now. I think it's, it's great. But one of the things like they, um, gosh, I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. Um, what was I trying to explain to you? I feel so bad. Uh, perfect human going... diet. Oh yeah. Perfect um, yeah. Human diet. Oh, the archeological record. Right. So one of the things that they said, most grains, trigger autoimmune issues. So people with autoimmune disorders like Hashimoto's or um, rheumatoid arthritis get triggered, like flamed up with grains. I have a friend who eats three fried olives, her hands, she can barely, you know, button her shirt. So these are really classic, classic things that happen. They did, they never saw Rheumatoid arthritis in the archaeological record at all, meaning no species, no DNA of anyone ever had this until the advent right. of agriculture 10,000 years ago. So our problems really started 10,000 years ago and then 7,000 years ago when dairy came on the scene. When we started to plant ourselves and not hunt and gather like we had been evolving for 2.5 right. million years, that's when all of these modern diseases came in. And I, 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 And the research is there. There's Paleo Manifesto from a Yale paleontologist. That's a great expose into that whole arena. You've got the perfect human diet, the primal blueprint, my book, The Paleo Thyroid Solution, if you want to get specific on that. But so I feel like... Um, I mean, the
0: proof's in the pudding in a lot of think ways. bad.
1: Like, they go, yeah. oh, yeah, eat like a caveman. Like, that's cute. It's like, no, actually, it's rooted in what our DNA and our genetics expect of us. Yeah. So when I hear a vegetarian <laughs> or a vegan talk about how we are not meant to kill and eat animals, I say, that's BS. Now, you <laughs> yeah. can choose. Bless you. You make your choice. Right. I, I'm not... If you want to choose because you don't want to kill an animal and you feel that's weird go ahead i'm not judging the fact that but i will say this just know people that you are going against your dna so to try to tell me that it's anything rooted in how we are designed that is a bunch of bs science wise but yeah that's that's
0: a fact right like we were always omnivorous yeah
1: it's a fact it's absolutely fact in fact (laughs) Even even in uh actually i think they mentioned it in the documentary too but um and I've spoken to C.J. Hunt, the director and writer of it, extensively. Right. He's, I'm a really big fan of his. Uh, he, he searched forever. He did a vegan diet. He did this. He had a heart attack at like age 18. He was trying to search for the best human diet. Um, and one of the things they talk about is you know, n- n- there's no, there's no such thing as a human being who was inherently a vegetarian or a vegan. Never in the, now, now we know cows are and horses right. are. We look at DNA and they can see that. They can tell from DNA what's right. a cow, what's a horse, right? And we don't feed a horse a steak, okay? Right. And we don't, and what happens when we feed cows grains? That's why, this is what people don't understand. I said this to someone recently and I, I want to get this across to everyone. The reason this whole like no antibiotics in the meat or, oh, this meat doesn't have antibiotics, so people go, well, why would anyone even give antibiotics to the animals? Because when you are feeding them their non-native diet and shoving grains down their throat, which is they are not meant to eat, they are meant and designed, their DNA is designed for grass, then they get sick. Mm -hmm. Then you give them antibiotics. When you go to pastured farms where animals are pastured and roaming the lands eating grass like they should, just their normal native diet, they don't get sick. They actually have immune systems. So I don't want to eat a cow that's been eating – you know what I mean? I don't want to eat a sick animal that then at the end of the day was stressed to the guilds because of this horrible cow feed and the way they stressed out on the way to murder. I mean – and if anyone's interested, Temple Grandin, great movie about the woman who revolutionized our cattle industry and made a very – I don't know if you know about her, but she's an amazing person to research into because she really changed – our industry and um, I've been to a Temple Grandin design system and the animals like have zero idea they're getting murdered in a minute they have no idea they're just like I'm having a great time shot in the head done okay. um, yeah. versus the cows out on the feed horrible you know feed lots off like the, a factory farming
0: side. right I mean they're just per- factory yeah. farming
1: it looks like a nuclear wasteland they're in mud the antibiotic runoffs they're sick right. um, and so now you can eat those animals but just know that if you go have a steak at a restaurant and you know it's not a grass fed or pastured steak just don't eat the fat off of the animal put butter on it instead and the reason for that is the the fat holds the most toxic stuff and it throws off our omega balance right. so it's just better if you're going to order a steak out Just and who doesn't want to put butter on steak yeah. nothing wrong with that just don't eat the grizzle and the actual fat off of such a steak yeah. you could but it's that would be the, a little bit of a disturbance, and the
0: omega balance you're talking about. So, typically in a Western diet, we are heavy on omega sixes versus omega threes. That's why a lot of people talk about oh, supplementing omega three. So, that's a good. Which point. I do, by
1: the way. I do, I do take. Yeah. I do take fish oil. Um, yeah, I, I want to get back um, to that
0: before we get off in too many tangents. Like, what are your core things?
1: Yeah, I take. I take vitamin D. I take fish oil. I take. Um, currently, take systemic enzymes. I take Vitalzyme XE. So, what are those? Uh, are one, those? Yeah, systemic enzymes are interesting. So. They, if you look them up online, it seems as though they have the same makeup as digestive enzymes, okay. which are meant to be taken with food so that it helps digest the food. But systemic enzymes are way more expensive, more powerful, and they are meant to bypass that system so mm-hmm. that they can digest you, meaning it kind of like goes through your blood like brush cleaners. And it cleans out excess fibrin, which is what I had, okay. which could have caused like the heart attack. Right. And other, things other, kind of does a reset, a digestive reset. They give it to Olympic athletes in Japan and Germany. Hmm. It's 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 part of their regimen. Um, so it's a kickstart
0: autophagy. I mean, I think that's one of the big benefits it's of fasting. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's anti-inflammatory as well. So any kind of inflammation issues could probably be helped with this. I benefited from them tremendously. They brought my excess fibrinogen level down from very dangerous to normal in just a couple of months. Um, I also just because I had had a high HbA1c at the time and that's all kind of inflammatory related I so I saw the benefit of them and even after I probably could have stopped taking them I continued to take them in a little bit of a lower maintenance dose so okay. I do taste the enzymes, enzymes um, but they're very expensive and and I you know if someone's ill probably definitely try maybe looking into it but maybe not for everyone right
0: what does your fasting protocol look like so I guess you don't take breakfast you'll do like a bone morning
1: time is essentially
0: so like a 16 eight, so, so like a 16 8 it's so a 16 hour feed, uh, fasted window, eight hour feeding window or do you Six, seven,
1: 10. yeah probably something like that again it's not really um so the other part of this too is that sometimes because so you can't really adhere to conventional eating times right. i mean you could but but that's not how the intuition goes so like oftentimes my dinner is that three thirty or four thirty? Like I t- talk about, like early bird, you know, like oldies in Florida yeah. going to dinner at four wow. o'clock. But it kind of sometimes becomes that way. So occasionally it can become a little bit prohibitive when people want to go out to dinner at six or seven. Right. Then I might have to really make an adjustment there. And in that scenario, I might have a late lunch and then have some MC two oil, some coconut oil, some fat to hold me over a couple hours before the dinner. Right. You know, um, so it becomes very intuitive, and you really eat when you're hungry. Um, Again, I'm usually not hungry in the morning hours, but...
0: Yeah, people think that you're superhuman if you fast. It's, it's like, really interesting. And it's just, like, well, we're just, like, really, not... Like, this is, like, the one thing where, you're, like, you're being praised for not doing something, right? Like, the, not eating is, like, the absence of, which is, like, one of the rare things that you could, like, tell people to do. Like, most things are, like, hey, yeah. do this, do this, do this. Well, not do something. Um,
1: and I think, you know, with regards to our primal instincts and in makeup, when we saw food, we took it. We took the opportunity. Right. And so that can transfer over into it's there, it's in the fridge, it's around, right? Constant consumption that may be coming from this, like, I don't know when I'm going to get it again. But we have to talk to ourselves about that. But usually when you become fat adapted, you're so satiated um, that there's rarely any of these. First of all, it's the ultimate in blood glucose management and the ultimate in adrenals management. It literally is the only human approved way to eat. Ancestral, paleo, primal, evolutionary, it doesn't really matter what you call it.
0: Right. Oh, low carb, high fat. I mean, just you just go direct to the actual just macros. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's actually interesting when you say like your genes actually, your gene expression actually does change, right? Like, like your fat burning genes get upregulated and your glucose burning genes get downregulated. Like it actually changes how your DNA is expressed. And, and aging changes then too, lost. right?
1: And then yeah. you're not, you're not excel- so carbs will not only accelerate the aging process, but in glycation, but also really excess protein will. So for example, let's just take a bodybuilder, for example, who's just super ripped and huge. They have to, their protein requirements are enormous. And right. they can get that big, but at what cost? Just saying.
0: Right, their longevity, right? Like think you look at their longevity, a lot of these guys have heart attacks when they're 50.
1: That's right. And also a lot of, and why do a lot of athletes all of a sudden have, then years later, are fat and obese doing commercials for like diet products? Well, because they were on that carb paradigm. Like, um, our local university here, some kids were telling me who play volleyball that after they do a big workout and do a training their, their, their coach says, go carb it up. And they all go over and get big bowls of banana and oatmeal and yogurt and all this stuff. And, um, I was talking to her a little bit about it and I was like, Ooh, that's, that's kind of rough. And then it turns out their coach has type two diabetes. And I'm like, what the hell, man? Like <laughs> ooh, you know what I mean? He he's got type two diabetes and now he's promoting that all of his athletes continue on this train that will result in either certainly eating issues and hypoglycemia right. with the ups and downs of this eat every two, three right. hours. But not only that, you're put you're training their bodies now to run on carbs. This is such an old paradigm. Yeah,
0: yeah that's that's, that's a good point. I I think doctors really should be paradigms of health, right? When I see like an obese doctor or like doctors that aren't really fit or coach that aren't fit it's like you're totally a hypocrite if you think you're actually smart like you have to be good at managing and coaching yourself right like that that's like the first patient yourself if you can't manage yourself how could I even listen to you for advice? one
1: caveat to that though there are people that are very fit look very slim and they're type 2 diabetics okay so what really right. matters what's the blood work say how those triglycerides right. doing? Yeah. Because there are, right, right? Because the there are yeah. people out there that are not striving to be, uh, you know, on Shape Magazine and really right. super fit and stuff. Um, and there are people that have a little bit of extra weight. That does not mean they're unhealthy. But the skinny person could be actually near death compared to that person. So I would 100%. tend to say, I, I agree with you. I want, I want to live. I want to be an example and live it. And I, I want to be doctored by people who, who also have that level of discipline to some degree. But I also just want to kind of just throw out that you know, so we don't get into a judgment. On a- yeah.
0: Appearance is not it's everything. Really, 100%. It really
1: isn't. And, and that's when I say too, it's like, you can look at, and that's where you as a person have to, you know, look at someone on the street with a great body and you go, Oh, I want that. Maybe you don't. Have you seen their blood work? Maybe you don't want that body. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. or also maybe that person is, is like, um, thin and slim, but they're struggling, which is what happened to me. You know, before I got right. hypothyroidism, I was Oh, my God, athlete level in every way, so fit. People come up to me and go, oh, my God, you work out. How do I get this one muscle? <laughs> like I was right. I, I was really that pillar of that, but I was struggling on the inside. I was dying every two, three hours for food, and I thought, mm. this is what you have to do to achieve this body because I had achieved it. So I thought, well, then this equals this is what I'm doing here. This is the body I achieved. Therefore, I guess that's how it works, and I guess everyone right. else who has a good body is suffering along the way, too, and no one's talking about it. Well, not true (laughs) you know what i mean i'm suffering because i was a sugar burner on a glucose train and i did not know otherwise and nobody did it in the year 2000 really i mean they knew about atkins things like that but you know that was usually reserved for serious situations right not not general health it was really south beach zone diet eat every two three hours keep your insulin sensitive keep your insulin steady it's actually Right, paradigm. which is
0: interesting, which is like completely opposite of what we want, what we and what now your understand. Body
1: and what our actual yeah. human genetics and genes expect of us. So again, it's like back to that, right. like, be a vegetarian, do whatever you want, no judgment. Like, but don't tell me that this is somehow scientifically the choice. You know what I mean? It's a choice, but don't tell me that yep. it's, it's rooted somehow in um in biology or science, because it's absolutely not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. No, I mean, let's leave it at that. I mean, I think you're, you know, I think you're a great role model for folks that are looking to take power into of their own health into their own hands. And I think your story, your outspokenness, your brashness, not being afraid to, you know, you know, you know, twist someone's arms a little bit. I think that's a, a good example of what it takes, the kind of fortitude it takes to get what you want out of your life. So appreciate that uh, that inspiring story. Yeah, let's leave it at that. Thanks so much, L.